Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Tony. And this is Making It in Asheville. A podcast where the two of us typically sit down with an Asheville local, an artist, creator, entrepreneur, and ask them what they're making and how they're making it in Asheville. <laughs> you sound so tired. The tone on that is a little different You're than like, normal, huh? Aww. Well, it's a, been a long season. It's been a long season. We're recording this in the morning. My coffee is currently coming in, but uh, very excited about the episode. Don't let my tone fool you. <laughs> so actually, in this episode, we are, this is our last episode of season one, first of all. Um, so we're we're very excited to have, you know, made it this far. Mm. Um, and, you know, we're really thankful for, what is that noise? That's the way that podcasting works. <laughs> Never heard that before. In the our second house. we start, something weird's going to happen in the background. No, but in this episode, um, we Tony and I are going to be talking um, with each other, and we're having a conversation about three ways you can measure success in a new business, and at least the three ways that we are measuring success in our new business. And so there are a lot of ways to try and track. Um, you know, uh, business growth or what's working, what's not. Um, what we're talking about today are the three ways that we're prioritizing. Um, and then, you know, we'll share them and then we'll have a little bit of a discussion on them. We'll be as explicit as possible. If there are any questions afterward, you know how to find us either on the internet uh, at large, Instagram, email, or website. Um, but we're going to do our best to like kind of tell you exactly what's up and what's cooking and what we're thinking and why we think that so far, so good. So today, almost exactly to the day, marks the three-month point from when we moved to Asheville. In three months, a lot, a whole lot has happened. Um, the primary things we're going to talk about are that we started a business. And so um, in the first 90 days of this business, we've done a number of things. <laughs> Well, no. So back up because I think it's important to explain our business just for those of you who who don't know. I, I don't know if we, we've actually explicitly explained out loud to our audience who we are and what we do um, and in what our business is. So uh, Tony and I started a marketing slash business consulting agency when we moved to Asheville. Um, it was kind of a revelation for us because Tony came from a sales slash consulting background, and I came from a more content-focused uh, marketing background. And when we moved here, everyone said, you know, bring your own jobs. And so that's what we ended up doing. Um, we put our two brains together and started this company as a way to bring our own jobs, but hopefully also bring value to the Asheville community. So what do we do? Um, we primarily partner with small uh, business owners particularly people that are very passionate about what they do. And we help them identify points where they can grow their revenue and sales, points where maybe they can add more value to their customers. And so it's really this combination of marketing, business strategy together um, that we help you work on. The name of our agency is Making It Creative. And you can find more information about it on our website under Work With Us. That was a very good catch. Thank you. Yes, let's be explicit. That's what we're doing. And it's been 
you know, uh, if you had asked us three months ago, what do we do? Uh, you had had a different answer. So it's been an evolution as well. So that was, I thought, very well stated, Sarah. Uh, we've been working on it. We've been working on it. <laughs> awesome. And so with that now out of the way, um, we'll go right to the meat of today's episode. And back up. What are you thinking? Set this up. So like, why do you need to measure success in a new business and how, how do you do that? So, I mean, when you start a new business, it's really hard to measure success, right? Because you don't, you might not have many clients. Um, you've never done this before. So you have no way of looking back to, you know, last year, how did we do? What did we do? Um, you really don't have a lot to measure against. It's all very new. But we think that it's really important to try and measure success in a new business. A, for your your business, like, own good, I guess, um, in the sense that you want to be able to move quickly if you've maybe gone in the wrong direction. You want to be able to act fast and be agile and, and fix the things that maybe aren't working very quickly. But secondly, you also need it for your own like self-esteem I think right but like as humans we always want feedback and need to know how we're doing generally speaking I mm -hmm. think depends on your personality um but it's really important to be able to to measure something and say oh okay cool I did this this really well or um I need to improve in this area so that you can kind of move in the right direction so that's why we're talking about this. Right. Uh, we think it's really been really important for our own business. Right. And there's a couple things that um, that are also worth unpacking in that as well, which are um, all of the all of the, I guess, focus C, focus I focuses that we are going to highlight today um, are things that we have control over. Right. So. Um, we're trying to focus on things that we can actually affect uh, that aren't outside of our control. Uh, the other thing is just, you know, it's a classic, there's this guy, Peter Drucker, classic business mind. They call him the the father of modern management theory. And his, you know, number one quote probably, uh, uh, if it's not measured, fuck, I forgot it. Uh, if it's not measured, it doesn't matter or something to that effect. And what he's getting to is that if you aren't actually quantifying uh, things in specific things in your business, then they don't matter to you. And then you can't make changes about them. You can't um, improve them if you have no way of knowing where you started or what they're tracking at. And so to Sarah's point where it's like, uh, it's really good for the hygiene and health of a business that you are tracking things. Mm -hmm. Completely true. Just, yeah. Most certainly true. And so is there more that we should use to set up? Because that was very, again, helpful. Thank you. I love the, the context we created there. No, I think we can dive right into point number one. Which is what? So point number one, we, d we identified as consistency for ourselves. Um, we think consistency means doing the work on a regular or frequent basis. So this could differ for you know, different people depending on the type of work that you're doing. Um, but for us, for example, uh, this meant putting out podcasts every week. Uh, this meant regularly thinking about who our business is, 
what we want it to be, what is our vision. This meant regularly meeting with each other. We have weekly stand-up meetings every week where Tony and I sit down and we go through a long checklist of things. We check off things that have been done and then we add more things in that need to be done. Um, so we had sort of this routine. We, we Even though we were working from home, we've been putting in regular hours you know, nine to five loosely during the week working on these projects. Mm -hmm. And we, we have prioritized that as number one in large part because that is foundation type work. Um, that is the type of stuff that uh, win, lose, or draw, like no matter how any of the um, outcomes, I think, for the business go, if we don't have a strong foundation of systems and of consistency it's going to be hard to add anything to the to our plates um, and it's going to be hard to make adjustments um, as like a hypothesis like well if maybe if we do this outcomes will change it's going to be hard to do any of those without a kind of baseline and i think uh, the number one of the constants of the things that we're trying to be consistent about uh, is are we publishing a podcast? And the reason for that, in my opinion, is that this goal is loosely, but very generally tied, uh, or very certainly tied to our second and our third goals. Um, and so consistency, and a specific part of consistency for me here is that it, when you, the goal of being consistent happens in daylight, right? So one of the things, that, the language that I like to use is like, you're not making something or you're not being consistent, you know, in the basement, like hidden, no one sees it as a business. What is the thing that you're going to consistently do that also gets eyeballs or also can be reviewed, um, also can have other people kind of participate or uh, experience it what do you think about that Sarah yeah I mean I think it's a little bit of both right like I don't know you you might be working on something that someone might not see you might be you know brainstorming a new product or if you're a designer maybe you're constantly designing this new idea and you haven't quite shared it with anybody yet to, um, but you will eventually you're just working on it so yeah. I think it's both. I think it's both. I mean, when you are a new business, you do want to make sure people know about you and are learning about you. So maybe you share with them some of the test ideas, but um, you know, maybe there are some opportunities where you're working but you're not sharing quite yet. And so my my point is that the consistency needs to be, in my opinion, more than just consistency of doing the work. There needs to be sharing, or um, you need to focus on our second goal. Interesting. We'll have to ask the audience what they think is important. Sure. The second goal for us is, mm -hmm. are you building new relationships? How would you define our second goal, Sarah? Um, I think building new relationships means talking, to, to your point about sharing, I think this means talking to people about um what you're doing and how you can be of service to them. So it's, it's kind of like getting in front of the right kind of people, um, not necessarily a salesy kind of way, but 
finding the people that maybe can help you the most or where you can help them the most, for mm. example, um, and forming some kind of relationship with them. How interesting. I don't know if I made that. No, I think you did. <laughs> and I would have guessed, because that sounds like a salesperson talking. Yeah, it does. And, and I would have, I would have mm-hmm. guessed that yours would have been slightly a level before that, which is meet people, be genuinely interested. And that's when I think of relationships, I think meet people, be genuinely interested. And then level two is how many of those new relationships turn into conversations that are explicitly set up to discuss the value we can provide for them. And so there's like two metrics that can actually be tracked. One is how many people are we having conversations with uh, every week, every month, et cetera. And then how many specifically about service conversations are we having? Um, and I, I, I am going, ooh, Sarah's turned it into a little like, <laughs> like sales. No, no, I mean, that's not what I mean. I guess what I'm trying to say is like if you're – Let's say you're selling, I'm trying to think of a simple product. So I, I would say it doesn't matter what you're selling. The name, you, you, you can't sell it um, from your basement. Caveat, the internet exists. And so if your office happens to be in your basement and your garden parties, your book clubs, your uh, networking events happen on the internet, you can sell from the basement. You can make meaningful relationships yeah. from the basement. Internet's a beautiful place. Not everyone is going to be um, necessarily as outgoing or comfortable, you know, talking to walls and people who aren't interested in talking to them as as I am. Um, so I get that there are there are ways to build relationships from the basement, um, and so I and I'm so li- I don't think yeah. it necessarily matters the business. But you need to have, uh, to go sales e here, you need to have top of funnel activities in order to close business and get new customers. For us, creating a podcast, publishing it, ensures that we'll at least have one meaningful conversation with one person, and our interviewee, um, that week. Sharing that should be at least a a good thing for some of the people who listen. Um, We can follow up and have more conversations. Those are now net new relationships. I would call publishing a podcast, getting new listeners, um, building a relationship with the interviewee, um, and potentially following up with, you know, direct messages from people who listened uh, as what is starting to be top of funnel sales marketing conversations that over time can lead to customers. One of the one of the bigger I wouldn't call it mistakes, but learnings that I've had over the years. Sarah mentioned how I have like a sales and a little bit of consulting background is that in the past um I have had really successful sales relationship starting months, weeks and months and folks and my focus then turned onto these new clients and I stopped doing things 
consistently that put me in positions to meet new people, build new relationships, be genuinely interested, and then schedule actual conversations where we talked about service. And so when I think about relationships, it sits somewhere between our three goals. Yeah. Yeah. And and I agree with that. I I think, you know, the first conversation with someone is never... That'd be about them. Yeah. Should never be about pitching a sale to them. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly not what we're out to do. I don't think at all. I, I think we, we genuinely have an interest in people, whether mm-hmm. or not they become clients or not. For and sure. it's fun for us to get to know the community. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. My hope is that no one questions that <laughs> and no one thinks that you're a sales shark. <laughs> coming for you (laughs) i was like wow sarah that sounded like something i would have expected but but yeah but no you never know who you know someone you might meet might not be a a client but they might know someone who is looking for the kind of work that you're offering so the more that you can meet people and tell them about what you're doing Mm -hmm. i think the more opportunity you have to you know find new business in in a sense completely and and one of the, it was, it was, I haven't, I didn't read this specifically from Dale Carnegie, but it showed up recently in our world. And I was like, Sarah, tell me this isn't exactly what we've been saying in different words, which is, um, you can, Dale Carnegie is credited with saying you can make more friends in two months by being genuinely interested in other people than in two years by trying to be interesting yeah yeah and i would say that in three months we've made more friends and the reason for it is that we are uh very overtly interested in other people yeah which is a huge load off right like you don't have to worry about being interesting you know it's Mm -hmm. not on you it's on the other i mean on the other person in the sense that that all you have to do is think about why is this person cool every single person's interesting and uh, that, why is this person cool? I love the way that you said that because it, I subscribe to the to the idea that uh, you get what you're looking for. And if you ask questions like that, how is this person cool? You're going to find it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Anything about relationships that is coming up that we need to add color to? Um, no, I would just say that I think it doesn't matter if you have a service-based business or a product-based business. For sure. Um, and I think that in terms of measuring this sort of point, the way we've been measuring it is through our podcast, which is we've been meeting with people every week. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's been a week that's gone by where we haven't either met someone new or, you know, had a meaningful conversation with someone that maybe we met a few weeks mm-hmm. before. Um, so for us, we've been sort of, loosely tracking this as every week okay who who are we going to meet that's yeah. new and interesting this week and if you were in software sales uh that would be you know how many cold emails have been sent how many uh leads have been followed up on how many uh networking events have you gone to how many business cards have you received like there are a lot of ways to track and quantify these relationship yeah uh stages right now we're in how many conversations are we having yeah. with people who could be podcast guests? Um, and then on the side, it's how many conversations are we having uh, around opportunities to be of service? Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's a um I think that's a very relatable challenge for many people to like we challenge you to hey meet someone new and interesting every week. Yep. Meet someone new and interesting every week and then if you are in a service business like us, um one of the key things that I'll say and I'll, I'll use loosely things is uh don't pitch anything. You can give uh feedback and points of view in a first conversation but generally don't uh when it's time to talk about being of service that should be the focus of the conversation if someone's like oh you do uh you remodel houses at a dinner party don't start pitching them on remodeling their house say yes i do i'm so glad that you're excited about it let's block some time to talk about it um, cre- creating mm-hmm. parameters and creating the space where the, this conversation has a specific goal, which is let's see if we can find the right level of value for you, um, is I would say hyper, hyper important and not necessarily the point of this conversation. I know. I think I think we could have a whole other podcast about this topic. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and so, anyways, uh, point number three. Point number three. So just to recap, one was consistency. And I would uh, put a little in parentheses of outputs, right? So of things that you can control. Two mm-hmm. is uh, relationships, quantifying how many new people you're meeting uh, and how many of those new people conversations turn into let's have conversations about serving you. Uh, and then number three. Number three, we identified as delivering. Mm. And what we mean by this is delivering on what you said you were going to do, delivering on your promise. So we identified this as an important metric for new businesses because we think that in the beginning, it's so important to do what you say you're going to do, both with your clients and with maybe other people that are involved in the business. Totally. And um, that's why right now, some of the stuff that we're really focusing on in in the service side, um, again, is focused on... Uh, inputs, not on outcomes, right? So when we, when we're starting relationships with new clients, what we want to be able to, because it's service, right? There's no, um, you know, there could be a very nebulous deliverable. So we're trying to be explicit as to what you're going to receive Mm -hmm. so that we can clearly illustrate and underline we said we were going to do X. Here's X in flight. It exists. Um, as for outcomes, uh, it's a little bit of a different world. And so, and so, an example of this that I feel really powerfully impacted us in our first couple of weeks here was our work with Sarah Hooker. Right. So, in terms of a service provider, she took some pictures of us. Um, now, there's subjective involved. Subjective. Are the pictures good? Uh, we think yes. You might think no. And that's fine because that's subjective. What is explicit was that she said that we we're going to get, uh, I don't know, more than 60 photos, that we we're going to get two hours of work together. What actually happened, what she actually delivered, was over three hours of work together was like 97 pictures. When it comes to what she said she was going to do, and she said it would take less than two weeks, 
right? Yeah, or, or excuse me, up, up to, to two, two weeks, weeks to edit and deliver the photos to us. When she said, when it <clears throat> when it comes to what she said she was going to do, it was uh, two hours, it was 60 pictures, mm-hmm. it was up to two weeks. She... So it was very explicit. Explicit. She had a, you know, a very um, laid out contract. Uh, mm-hmm. She went over all the points with us on the phone. So it was all very clearly understood in our mind what we were getting from this. And then she over delivered, mm-hmm. you know, and this is not subjective. This is explicit. She gave us over 90 pictures. We were together over three hours. Um I forget the, the third thing that she promised, but like she delivered, she she oh, got we, we the got photos like back three to us. days later, yeah, like four days later. So like every single thing that was explicit about what she was going to deliver happened. Um, if she was running her business, she could check off. I did what I said I was going to do. Yeah. Um, and as a customer, there's almost nothing better than someone doing what they say they're going to do. Uh, and so that's really what we're focusing on because our belief now, if you're following the system, is uh, we create content. That content leads to conversations, uh, conversations with good people, mm-hmm. conversations uh, downstream a little bit that might be about service. If we have an opportunity to serve, we say we're going to do stuff, we do that stuff. Ideally, it creates a a cycle of having meaningful conversations with people or of meeting new people, having meaningful conversations, being able to serve them powerfully. Yeah. And, and I think delivering and even over delivering on what you say you're going to do sets you up for a, if you're in a service-based industry, maybe renewal of clients, mm-hmm. um, be word of mouth mm-hmm. spreading. So that client might say, Oh, this, this, you know, company was so great. They did what they said they were going to do on time. I trust them. And they tell that to somebody else. And then three, it's just also good practice for yourself getting in the habit of, of, okay, here's what I said I was going to do explicitly. And I did it. Mm -hmm. Now let's do it again. And let's Mm -hmm. just keep improving and do it better and better and better. So it's really setting yourself up for success and while this metric is probably always important, no matter what stage of the business you're in, we think that it is like doubly, triply important in the beginning because building that trust and that foundation could set you up for exponential growth. Yes, I agree completely. Um, and so for us, we're tracking this by because we have a service-based industry or a service-based company, we're tracking this by, you know, having clear sort of project milestones set out for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we share those with our clients. And then, you know, setting a deadline, very clearly setting who is doing what, um, taking notes as things, problems arise, and then making sure that we get that done by a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, and if for some reason we're not able to get a certain thing done by a certain point, it's clearly communicated to the client. Yeah, one of the keys here, I would Mm -hmm. say, is that uh, as a service provider, um, when in doubt, communicate. Uh, I think uh, tending on the side of over-communicating is always best practices. I think back to um, some very formative uh, restaurant experiences early in my life where it's like I learned 
I learned without a shadow of a doubt that the best thing you can do when the kitchen is acting weird is go to the table and tell them what's up. Uh, it's not hide from the table. It's, you know, it's, it's not make any promises about it'll be out in a minute because mm-hmm. that's not true. Yeah. You don't know when it's going to be out. Yeah. Um, and I think that in, in life, there's a lot, there's a lot of parallels to being a server at a restaurant. Um, and I think that in our business, what, what we do try and do when, you know, the, the metaphor here, when the kitchen is acting crazy when stuff comes up, when, um, projects turn into be more hairy than we had initially thought. Or sometimes things are out of your control. Too, right. that, that's you've... so that's what they catch all. They, when the kitchen yeah. is acting crazy, things are out of your control or sometimes are in your control and you dropped it. Uh, go to the table, tell them what's up, get out in front of it. Uh, and if you can, you know, drop a little dessert on the house at the end. And the dessert's going to be different <laughs> based on what your business <laughs> is. Uh, but if you're, you know, if your hat is in your hand at some point um, in the relationship, definitely makes sense to to drop a little complimentary dessert on the table. For sure. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, in fear of really kind of beating these things uh, to a pulp, Sarah, do you think that we uh, succinctly and fully explained why those are our three priorities? Yeah, I love that. Um, I think I would love to know from our listeners, uh, from their experience, if you have a new business, for example, um, how did you track your success in the first few months? Uh, mm-hmm. um, and how did these things play a role in in what you're doing? Yeah, so I, I'm going to take that question and kind of expand it. If you're thinking of starting a new business, what things are you maybe afraid of? What things are you thinking about? What things are keeping you up at night that you don't know? Um, so what I'll say is like explicitly, we haven't talked about revenue. We haven't talked about profit. We haven't talked about making money. But I imagine a lot of people who are starting a business are going to think that those things are important. Um, so like, what are you thinking about as you're starting a new business? And then also, uh, you know, veteran business owners. And that means anyone who's had a business more than three months uh, would love to know what you prioritized at the, at the outset, at the very beginning. Um, and if you would change anything, like what, what things with a little bit of uh, more exposure and experience would have you, would you have prioritized earlier? Awesome. Cool. Um, so that was our last episode of season one. Hmm. Very, very excited. We have a lot of things in the works coming up for season two. Um, a lot of great interviews. Yep. Uh, and we're just really excited. Yeah, I think uh, we have a bunch of bunch of reasons to be excited. And so uh, in the meantime, before season two starts, uh, I wouldn't exactly you know throw your podcast listening app away. There's going to be some fun little bits of ear candy for you uh, in the weeks ahead. Uh, we're thinking probably, what, September-ish for the relaunch of season two of mm-hmm. the podcast. Yep. Um, as always, if you enjoy this specific episode, we'd love to hear about it. Um, like, subscribe, review. iTunes is typically the best place to do it. It means the world to us, but also helps other people find this podcast. And that is, uh, we hope, a good thing. The only other note, I think, is um, like, subscribe. Yeah, obviously get that out of the way. What is the other thing? Oh, if you or someone you know 
would be interested in being a guest on this show, we're, you know, right now we're still very open to getting connections in that way. So just visit making it in Asheville slash podcast. And there's a very easy to fill in, um, you know, uh, recommendation list survey. Yep. Cool. Boo. 15 episodes in. You call me boo on the podcast. <laughs> Is that a rock boo all the time? It's like a pet name. Did anyone see, did, let us know in the comments on Instagram or wherever, if you heard the bonus uh, soundbite after the end of episode 14, where I called Sarah Boo and she giggled. <laughs> if you did, we need to know that you heard it, that you make it to the ends of these podcasts. All right, that's it. Episode 15. Babe, high five.